Blog Talk Radio. Welcome in to the Don't Teaser Me Bro podcast with your host, Jeff Nadu, the big man on campus. This college basketball guru, brash and unfiltered, he's got you covered in much more than sports, including music, movies, and the mob. Live guests, top-notch breakdowns, and as always, taking your phone calls. Live from the city of brotherly love, here's the big man on campus, Jeff Nadu. Hey, hey, what's up everybody? Welcome in to a Monday edition of the Don't Teaser Me Bro podcast. This is episode 23 and it is January 27th, 2020. I hope you're having a great Monday. We are back a new week, uh, trying to get after some money. Uh, and obviously tonight we are coming to you with heavy hearts. Uh, it's been a rough 24 hours uh, for so for whether you were a basketball fan, a sports fan, or you were just someone that knew who Kobe Bryant was, it's hard to not see the amazing guy that he was, the amazing champion that he was. And tonight's show is really going to be dedicated to Kobe Bryant. We're going to talk memories. We're going to talk uh, great uh, feats. We're going to talk about Kobe in general, really just about his life. And uh, how could we not? Kobe Bryant was larger than life. He was bigger uh, than really you could get. I mean, you talk about a player that really exuded everything uh, as far as winning, as a leader, as, as just a competitor. I have plenty of stories about Kobe Bryant. Obviously, being in that 30-year-old market, you know, I had that growing up where Kobe was basketball for me. You know, you know, I came, I kind of, um, growing up, I caught Michael Jordan's, the end of Michael Jordan's career, and obviously the end was great because, you know, in the late 90s, he won a couple titles, but um, for me, most of my childhood had to do a lot with Kobe Bryant and Allen Iverson back and forth with each other, so we'll take tonight, we'll talk about uh, the tragic passing of not only Kobe Bryant, but uh, his beautiful daughter, uh, all those uh, beautiful souls that, that passed. And if you're out there and you want to talk about Kobe, you want to talk about your memories of Kobe, please give me a call. Please give us a call, 515-605-9349. Uh, we'll try to, uh, towards the end of the show, figure in some college hoops. But obviously uh, there are bigger things to talk about tonight. And uh, I got to be honest, I'm not sure if there's a better person to do this show with just because – you know, I know he's a great a sports fan. He's a guy that I think eloquently can poignantly talk about Kobe Bryant. And, you know, it should be a great talk. Uh, it's our friend Ian Cameron who joins us every Monday. Ian, I got to tell you, I obviously uh, knew that I would have this show, you know, every night. And I knew tonight I would probably talk about Kobe Bryant. Obviously, you know, being from the area that I'm from, Kobe is uh, pretty synonymous with this area. And, uh, you know, growing up around here, he was uh, pretty important in my own life. And I got to tell you, I, I couldn't be uh, more excited to do the show with uh, with you, to be honest. I know you'll deliver it poignantly. Yeah, Jeff. I mean, it's uh, it's still, a, what, over 24 hours now that we've been able to at least try uh, to the best of our ability and process this news. And I'm still uh, almost in disbelief that we're talking about the uh, loss of Kobe Bryant and the passing of obviously one of the all-time greats in basketball, one of the all-time greats in professional sports. And that's the honest damn truth. I mean, this is not just a basketball thing. This is across football, 
baseball, hockey, soccer, any sport you can imagine, golf, tennis. He is one of the absolute best athletes, best players in his craft, in his profession, in all the professional sports history. The accolades and the performance on the court was outstanding. You see, you know, all the achievements, the multiple-time NBA champion, five-time NBA champion, NBA Finals MVP, league MVP, you know, all-star every year. The thing, and I, the thing that people will gloss over and not mention, and I'm making sure I mention this in talking about Kobe, the all-defensive player that he was, first-team all-defensive player nine times. Okay, this is not a guy that floated yeah. around when he didn't have the basketball in his hand, Jeff. When he, had, when he was getting back at the other end of the court, he was locking in on his opponent. He was locking in, contesting shots, you know, trying to hustle back on defense. We know he could shoot the ball from anywhere against anyone at any time and make it from anywhere on the court. But his ability to play that two-way game at the defensive end of the basketball court, that needs to be mentioned because that is what also made him a special player. And he just had that winning characteristic. You know, I'm going to play good offensively. I'm going to play good defensively because this is about winning, and that was the uh, utmost importance to him. And that's why it's not a surprise if you listen to all the, you know, eulogizing going on in the last 24 hours from the coaches that coached against Kobe, the players that either played with him or against him. What are they? What have they all been saying the last 24 hours? Fiercest competitor. You know, the utmost, strongest, fiercest, most willed competitor. He just willed himself and his teammates to win basketball games he would uh, basically go through walls to win games uh, on a nightly basis and it's hilarious that in this uh you know this world in the nba and where i've just the nba regular season it's you know it's very very nauseating at times for me to watch it and now we're in this era of load management and guys taking nights off did kobe bryant ever take nights off i can't remember many Uh, this guy brought it every single night on the court. Uh, I think that's something we always have to keep in mind. And I'll just mention one last thing about how I, my, my first memories of Kobe Bryant, because they're important, because it was an era where I was, what, 15, 16, 17 years old at the time. It was the early 2000s. Uh, uh, Kobe was just coming into his own, you know, as a superstar in the NBA. He was really starting to really hit that stride as one of the absolute greats in the NBA at the time, year 2000 to 2002 with Shaq, Robert Ory, Rick Fox. Man, what a great Laker team that was. Phil Jackson, the head coach, the team that won three titles in a row. And I still remember the absolute war, and and, and I can't even stress this enough, the absolute war, and it really was a war on the court with the Lakers and the Sacramento Kings at that time in the early 2000s. The games these two teams would play each other were scintillating, unbelievable basketball games. They were the two best teams in the Western Conference at the time. You know, everybody says, you know, in 2020, Clippers and Lakers, the West goes through them. Well, back in those days, went through the Lakers and the Sacramento Kings, loaded with talent on both sides. Kobe, Shaq, you know, and Ori and Fox on the Lakers. How about that Sacramento team, Mike Bibby, you know, Chris Weber, Vladi Divac, uh, unbelievable basketball team, and the wars Danger. they go through, the intensity, the hatred, you know, just that is basketball. There, there was intensity to it. There was a there was a competitive, we won't lose to this team. I'll, we'll be damned if we lose to this team. And, and Kobe brought that to the court, and somehow his Lakers always seemed to get the better of Sacramento. It wasn't always easy. They got pushed to the limit by that team. But those are my fr- first earliest great memories, Jeff of Kobe Bryant, the wars with Sacramento in the early 2000s and the great tandem of him and Shaq 
wonderful basketball. And I implore anyone that's maybe not old enough, that was not old enough at the time to remember those great games and great playoff series, you know, Arco Arena, where you could barely hear yourself think in that building. It was so loud when they were into the Sacramento team those years. Watch those games. Those are great basketball games, and you'll enjoy them thoroughly. You know, I have no doubt in my mind about it. I, um, I, there was a lot of, you know, and, and there's so much to talk about, and I'll, I'll try to get to all of it. But, you know, you, you talked about Kobe's uh, ability on the court. We all knew, you know, anyone that watched Kobe Bryant from, you know, from, I, I remember high school, you know, from from high school at Lower Marion to, you know, going straight to the league. I mean, I, I don't think anyone will ever, and you mentioned you never saw Kobe have a have an off night. I, I don't remember either, as far as I can remember. I'm sure there was one or two, but, yeah, they they were showing those games uh, today on NBA TV. They're going back through, you know, all the great games, you know, the 81-point game and, and some of the other ones. They're showing the the the, uh, the final game he played uh, right now on on TV. But they actually showed one of those games against Sacramento. And, you know, those teams really were great, you know, with, with Vlade. And, and many don't remember, you know, Vlade was the guy that the Lakers traded to Charlotte for Kobe Bryant. If you remember Jerry West, who was the GM at the time, uh, Kobe basically made it clear that he did not want to play at Charlotte. Uh, and, you know, Ian, I, I often think back because uh, when I was a kid, I, and I wrote about this today on, on publishersradio.com, I wrote – because I think like a lot of people, I took this pretty hard. You know, for me, I, I love basketball. I have my entire life. It's always been kind of that beautiful game to me. And I've often said, you know, if, if I didn't have sports betting and I could only watch one sport, it would be basketball. That's just kind of who I am and what I've always been about. But I remember as a young child, uh, I was – I don't know, 12, 11 or 12. And I remember I loved the Sixers so much because my uncle at the time had season tickets and he used to give them to my father and I, and we would go to the games and it, it was just great. You know, I, I fell in love with, with Allen Iverson and, and those teams back then and, and Larry Hughes and all those guys. And I remember synonymously with the 2001 finals when our Sixers finally got there. Now, my whole, you know, my 12-year life to that point, they had never been good. I remember they started out that year 10-0. and 0. I was so excited. Um, I actually, Pat Croce, the uh, former uh, CEO of the Sixers, he actually lived near me at the shore, and I remember, you know, seeing him, and it was just a great time to be alive. And I remember Kobe uh, synonymously, Ian, I don't know if you know this, but Kobe said before the uh, the game that, uh, the game, the series started, he basically told Philadelphia, I'm going to rip their hearts out. And I remember as a kid, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I was so sad that Kobe would say, because my, my, my grandfather used to tell me that Kobe was from the area. He had from, from Lower Marion. And, you know, a lot of people don't know his, uh, his father was a great basketball player in Italy and, and with the Sixers, his uncle, uh, Chubby Cox, he was a great player in Philadelphia. And, you know, I, I often wondered, Ian, like, why would he say that? You know, why would he why would he say that? And then he ended up obviously ripping our hearts out, and you know, we won one game, and then they swept us. And I remember, Ian, I was at that game, game five of the NBA Finals that year, the year that they won on our court. And I remember for years I held a grudge against Kobe Bryant, and a lot of people in this area did, uh, just due to the fact that it wasn't that we hated him because he was one of ours, but it was the fact that he – was not one of ours, and he didn't play for the Sixers. And I often think, Ian, what if the Sixers, instead of taking Allen Iverson, decide, you know what, we have the wherewithal, we're going to take the local kid. I often wonder where the Sixers would be now, uh, because they were drafted in the same year, Ian, 1996. 
Yeah, it's always that woulda, coulda, shoulda, didn't you know discussion when yeah. you can look back on things that you decide to do at the time that you think are the right thing to do, and you wonder, okay, things were – and let's be honest. It was still a great run for the Sixers oh, sure. with Allen Iverson. But, sure. Yeah, yeah, and but you always you still have to ask, especially when you see Kobe you know, lead the Lakers to five NBA championships. What would have happened here in the Philadelphia if we bring Kobe yeah. home, essentially? Uh, and he's playing here with the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. It's a great question. And it's great you mentioned his dad. So I was actually watching the Raptors and Spurs game yesterday, and what a wonderful, incredible gesture they did at the beginning with the 24-second shot clock. Both teams yeah, all took the teams, turns dribbling uh... out the shot clock, and then everyone else followed uh, after that. It was just a wonderful way to pay tribute to uh, Kobe Bryant at the beginning of that game. But uh, Kobe's dad, Joe, you mentioned him. He played in Italy. Well, on the broadcast yesterday of that Raptors-Spurs game, the uh, Raptors TV analyst, Leo Routens, he's been with the team for from the day one as sure. a TV guy for the team, uh, played at Syracuse, his son Andy Routens, we remember. Uh, he also played at Syracuse uh, many, many years ago with Devendorf, and we remember those Syracuse teams yep. a few years ago. But Leo right played with there. Kobe's dad. Yeah, and Leo Routens played with Kobe's dad. He was saying it on the broadcast a long, long time ago, and he would remember seeing a very young toddler, Kobe Bryant, running around sure. while the team was getting prepared to play games. And there's little Kobe, you know, running around, I... just uh, running amok around the whole uh, gym there uh, as they were getting ready to play the, uh, over in Italy. And uh, so there's a, a little connection that uh, Leo Routens, the analyst of the Raptors, had with uh, Kobe in terms of playing with his dad, Joe, for years over in Europe. It's unbelievable. A small yeah, you world. Know, you talk about uh, Joe Bryant, who I saw, you know, I mean, I think, you know, since then we, we've obviously seen Joe Bryant, but he was a terrific basketball player. I mean, he, he was kind of like Ben Simmons. He was a 6'10 guy that could run the floor and he was a terrific basketball player. And I remember, I remember the first time, one of the first times I was really impressed by Kobe Bryant was it was, it was very random, but I remember hearing him speak fluent Italian in a press conference. I, I was fascinated by that. I, you know, I, I didn't know, I mean, you knew Kobe Bryant, but you know, I knew he played in Italy and I, he lived in Italy and, and he grew up there and kind of grew, you know, grew up and kind of really take, taken to the Italian culture. But I never knew he knew Italian. I thought that was always interesting, but I, I think one thing also that I I've heard from a lot of people that have talked about Kobe was his infectious ability to know anyone like it seemed like he knew something about every person and like you hear all these different people and you hear from like an assistant coach that coached him 10 years ago and he called them when his dad was in the hospital or something random I always found it fascinating to, to watch how Kobe seemed always he, he seemed to know something about everyone and you know I I think Ian with Kobe Bryant as as I said you know I, I grew up for many years you know kind of he was a villainous guy to me but then I grew up to become kind of someone that respected the greatness for what it was. And I remember that game against your Raptors in 2006 when he dropped 81 points. And I, I, I look back on that game and I, I obviously didn't see Wilt Chamberlain score a hundred. None of us have, but we actually, you know, all we did was really hear about it. And there was some great, I mean, the flu game was obviously a terrific game for Michael Jordan. And yeah, you know, we've seen great performances, but I have to say, you know, I remember I was, it was like a Sunday night that year. I was, what was I, 16 or 17? I was a junior in high school. And I remember, you know, Morris Peterson, who played for the Raptors for years. I remember how great of a defender he was and how bad he looked in that game against Kobe because 
I heard Sam Mitchell talk last night about the game, and he talked candidly about we literally tried everything on Kobe Bryant that night. We, we Morris tried to guard him, then Jalen Rose tried to guard him, and then you know, um, you know, whoever and whoever tried to guard him. And I, I watched the game today. I, I had some time, and I sat down and I watched it. And I mean, it was truly amazing. And he just couldn't miss that night. And you, you have to look back on the NBA and say that might have been the greatest performance by a player ever. I mean, I mean, seriously, is there a, I guess the hundred point one would be the only one above it, but I have, I never saw that. So obviously I, I, I will kind of respectfully not include that, but in my lifetime over the last 50 years, that was the greatest, maybe physical performance I've ever seen in a game. I mean, what, what would be better than that? It's from a basketball perspective, it's almost impossible. I know, you know, even Mike, even Michael Jordan, it'd be hard to put, think off the top of your, you know, the flu game that he had was unbelievable. He didn't put in the number of points, obviously nowhere close, but the fact he played like he did in an NBA finals game when he's sick as a dog, essentially, uh, and in a clinching game on the road against the jazz that year, that's still amazing to me. But in terms of one performance, and the sheer number of points, and you're right, there were contested shots. I still remember seeing that game many, many years ago. That's another thing uh, Leo Routens mentioned yesterday is that that's probably one of the best single-game performances he's ever seen in person. He was calling the game that night for the Raptors TV network, uh, and it was just an unbelievable performance. And yeah, the Raptors yeah, will always have a connection to Kobe uh, because of that night. Uh, people will always remember that Kobe Bryant hangs 80-plus points in a single game, it's one of the most remarkable, incredible things you'll ever think of. I mean, it's crazy. It's literally like I heard someone say on, on the radio today, that's like 10 triple-doubles in a game. It, it, it's fascinating. I, You know, Michael Jordan, the, the most points he ever scored in a game is 69 points, if you remember. Um, that was back against the Cavs in 1990. Devin Booker actually scored 70 a couple years ago against the Celtics. You remember that? But, I mean, you, you think about Kobe, but Will Chamberlain, Ian, scored – 70 or more points, like nine different times. Like, it's pretty amazing, but um, obviously it was a different NBA back then. But I, I want to extend the invitation. If, if you have a call you want to make, you want to talk about your favorite Kobe memory, we'll get into a couple of them. Uh, make sure you give us a call now, 515-605-9349. Obviously we're talking about the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant and his daughter who, you know, I think, Ian, that was one of the um, really sad parts of the story were that, you know, Kobe had kind of transitioned into his retired life. And I got to tell you, I was a little surprised as to how good he had taken it to be retired. You know, he seemed like a, I think, and I'm sure you would agree with me. He seemed kind of as a, as a professional, he's always kind of a rigid guy. He didn't seemingly jaw a lot. I mean, he jawed, but he never really it didn't seem like he did anything else but play basketball. I didn't really know much about his personal life. Um, you know, obviously he had some things that went on in his life, but I, I feel like when when he got into the NBA, because I remember when he was in high school, do you know that he took Brandy to the prom? He took the singer Brandy to the prom um, back when he was a senior at Lower Marion. He took her to the prom, and then he went to the NBA, and for most of his career, he was fairly quiet. You didn't hear a ton about him. He was a great player, but you know his 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 running mate there Shaq obviously had a much larger than life career and you know, guys like you know you know other players were, were huge but Kobe I wondered how he would take because he seemed like a guy that only loved basketball and how would he take you know being a a, a father and, and, a, and a husband again and you know and, and he seemed to be doing great with it he 
he obviously had four daughters and, and he obviously loved them to death and he talked glowingly about them. And that, that was one of the things about the story and that, that obviously, you know, I, I think when you're a father and I'm not a father, I know you're not as well, but I know I'm sure Kobe would say, you know, like any father, I, I, I will give my life for my kids. And, you know, I, obviously Kobe passing is so sad, but it's it's so incredibly sad as well that his daughter, who was just 13, I mean, she had a whole life in front of her. Um, I don't think there's anything you can really say to, to, to talk about how sad it is. But, you know, you look at the story, um, really just a regular day, right? I mean, I think all of us will agree. We don't take helicopters places, but when you're, you know, I've heard Philip Rivers talk about, I think he's taken a helicopter before. You know, it's, it's kind of when you live out in California, right? A passage, right? Ian, you know, you, I know, a guy, I actually know a guy where I live in, in Pennsylvania that has, he makes money and he actually works in Philadelphia and he, he takes a helicopter to work every day. It, it shortens the trip. You don't have to worry about traffic. And Kobe was a regular helicopter guy, but you know, sometimes Ian, um, you, that, there's that day where, you know, the weather's not great or whatever. Um, but I'll ask you, um, as far as Kobe Bryant, you had to agree that you were concerned when he retired. You know, where would he go and what would he be, right? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's another thing we that's absolutely – we can't go through this, you know, hour here talking Kobe Bryant without mentioning his post basketball uh, life and his post-retirement life because what he was about to do was literally going to be on the verge of being even more impactful even more memorable even more you know just more of a boon to society and the global world at large than anything he would have accomplished in the on the basketball court during his playing days And, and that's what makes this even more hard to digest and you mentioned it about just the absolute heartbreaking and gut wrenching you know, it absolutely is that his daughter was also uh, on the helicopter and lost her life, Gianna, at just 13 years of age. And, and the fact that they were really gr- – that, that father-daughter bond, you would, they've shown the images and the video met a lot over the last 24 hours of them, you know, courtside, we think, talking about basketball. And you could see the bond that Kobe had, you know, with his daughter. It's it's heartbreaking. It's And, and it, I think we always have to remember – because Jeff, you and I, people that have never met Kobe, we think of what a great loss of a basketball player, you know, in this in this loss, in this death, in this tragedy. We have to also remember that this is a husband that has passed away. This is a father that has passed away uh, yesterday, and, and how Vanessa Bryant and the other three daughters are going to cope with this. It's an unspeakable horror. It's an unspeakable pain to have to get the phone call saying. You know, the dreaded words that you've lost your father, you've lost your uh, husband, you've lost your, uh, you've lost your uh, sister uh, as well. In the case of the three other daughters, the three other girls, it's, you know, just, just thinking about it gives you chills. It's not the kind of thing you want any human being to experience, that kind of pain and that kind of loss. It's just uh, absolutely, your heart goes out for the Bryant family. Your heart goes out for the other victims, too. Uh, they shouldn't be lost in the mix either, the, the other seven uh, that were on board that helicopter uh, that also lost their lives. I believe one was a baseball coach in Oregon uh, as well, uh, and there and his family was on that uh, helicopter uh, ride as well. It's absolutely awful, Jeff. There's nothing else you can say about that. It's tragic. It's absolutely uh, uh, pa- painful to see something like that happen, 
and certainly to all the families affected, you know, all you can do is offer your prayers, offer your thoughts, offer your condolences, give your family members a hug, give those close to you a hug, and let them help you get you through an obviously very difficult time. Yeah, you know, a little bit about the uh, the other victims. Uh, John Altabelli, uh, he was a baseball coach at Orange Coast College. He was in his 28th year uh, as a coach for that group. Uh, he led them to the state best baseball championship last year. Uh, he stacked up more than 700 wins. Um, he was uh, also, um, you know, a great father to his daughter who lost her life as well, Alyssa. She was a uh, basketball player along with Kobe's daughter. Uh, also his wife, Kerry. Uh, they have two kids as well uh, that are now going to live without uh, their fa- their parents and their other sister. Um couple of the other people involved, uh, Christina Mauser. She was a assistant girls basketball coach at a private school in Orange County. Um, and she actually worked for the uh, Mamba Academy. She was, uh, you know, worked with the WNBA and other partnerships to create, you know, a, a connection with, with those places. And according to her husband, I heard her husband speak about, um, you know, she was just a Ian, they called her the, the godmother of the zone defense. She she loved the zone defense. She was terrific. Kobe had never – Kobe hired her, Ian, they said, because he had never faced the zone defense, and he didn't know anything about it. So he had gotten word through, you know, you know people that she was terrific. She had been a teacher, and um, she survived by um, her kids and her husband – uh, she lived in Costa Mesa, California. Sarah Chester uh, was also uh, tragically taken. Her and her daughter Peyton were uh, along for the ride. They were um, a mother-daughter. Uh, Peyton was a player as well on the basketball team there at the Mama Academy. Uh, and then the pilot, Ara Zobayan. Uh He was a, a longtime pilot, very trustworthy guy, according to Reports he was an instrument certified pilot who earned his commercial license in 2007. Uh, he was Kobe's personal helicopter pilot, and according to many, he was one of the best of the best. Um, and we say goodbye to those people, and we wish them uh, and their, we wish their families uh, condolences and hopeful comfort. Um, and obviously, yeah, Kobe and his daughter Tiana. Yeah, there's another thing I got to mention too about you know Gianna specifically. It's the fact that you know they showed an interview that Kobe did with Jimmy Kimmel, uh, and they, and they were talking about all this yeah. rhetoric going around and all this you know really just blah 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 rhetoric and uh, nonsense that people were spewing about how you know Kobe Bryant doesn't have any boys, you know he doesn't have any yeah. sons right now. Who is going to carry on the Kobe Bryant basketball legacy? You know, if he doesn't have any sons, no boys, who's going to play in the NBA? And Kobe's like, don't worry about it. And Gianna apparently <laughs> said to Kobe, in the, and Kobe said it in the interview, I got this. Gianna said that to her dad, Kobe, saying, I got this. I'm going to be the the, the, the person that carries the uh, Bryant name moving forward in basketball circles. I'm going to go to UConn, play on the women's team, play play for presumably Gino Oriema. I would not think he'd retire anytime soon in the next uh, couple of years. I'm going to make my mark there. I'm going to be a uh, collegiate star, and I'm going to go to the WNBA and have an outstanding career. That's the kind of drive Gianna had. And, that's, and she was already showing, apparently, and I've never seen a second of her play, obviously, but there's there's all there's people that have been saying she was already looking like she was going to be an incredible talent, you know, in terms of being able to play basketball at, at such a young age. And, 
you know, we're not going to be get to see that now. And it's just, it's, it's, it's gut wrenching to think of it. And, uh, you know, that's why, uh, Kobe was always saying, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about the fact I got no boys. Don't worry about the fact I got no sons. Gianna was going to be here. She's going to get the uh, Bryant basketball legacy. Keep it going for the uh, future generations and the many years to come. And to think we're not going to be able to see that, you know, it's, it's upsetting. It's, it's absolutely tragic. Yeah, Kobe leaves behind a wife, Vanessa, uh, and three daughters, Natalia, Bianca, and Capri. Um, sad, 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 sad. Um, you know, Ian, uh, I want to take some calls here. we got a couple of people waiting. Uh, let, let's do that now. Uh, go ahead, caller. You're live. Go ahead. C- caller, you're live. Hey, guys. How you doing? How you guys doing tonight? We're good. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a tough night. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in the uh, Los Angeles area. Uh, knew where Kobe lived. Uh, whole family lives in Newport Beach. Saw him around. Uh, just uh, devastation for everybody out there right now. They're uh, we're mourning this guy. This guy drove us for 20 years uh, through and through. Just kind of keying in on that, that quote that he even sent to get, uh, Gordon Hayward after his injury. Um, just just gut-wrenching right now. I mean, I don't know how to explain it. God, his daughter just – she had a jumper just like he just like he did, you know. And, and she just – she embodied everything he was, brought him back to the game. Um, I just don't know how to tell you how hard it is for us uh, out here uh, – been crying for a couple days families you know anyways just really appreciate you guys love following you guys uh this this was a great uh great show today appreciate it man and and you're so right well said uh ian uh the people out in la who you know i i i think it's important to mention you know they um they've had some great legends out there you know obviously you know your your magic johnson's and your you know uh james worthy's and your you know so many so over the years so many great Shaq and all these different greats but you know kobe was uh kind of that guy you know he had never left he never went anywhere else he always played at one team and it was kind of something he had that great jab step and and just everything about him was was, was generational you know and, and i i heard from those people who you know obviously have been through some loss this year. You know, obviously the great uh, Nipsey Hussle, who many of uh, many people in LA kind of gravitated towards. Um, and uh, yeah, just a, a, a tremendously sad uh, day for sure uh, and week. Uh, but Ian, I, I want to keep taking some of these calls. Got a couple other people that want to chat about uh, the great Kobe Bryant. Before we do that, though, I just do need to take a quick commercial break. Ian, we'll be back. Uh, right after this, stick around. We'll talk more Kobe after this. Are you looking for fresh opinions on sports, sex, culture, food, and more? Well, it's time for you to go check out our friends at PubSearchRadio.com. From podcasts to blogs to live content and radio, live in the heart of San Antonio, PubSearch Radio provides plenty. They have terrific soccer, UFC, and niche topics too. Leave it to me, leave it to my opinion, the big men on campus. 
I co-sign PubSportsRadio.com. And you can also check out people like me, Dottie Wrightside, Ski Profit, and more. Check out the newest in opinions in all the blog culture, PubSportsRadio.com. Welcome back to the old Teaser Me Bro podcast. I am the big man on campus here with Ian Cameron at the battle on Twitter. We're remembering great Kobe Bryant. Uh, if you want to join the show, 515-605-9349. Ian, uh, they're replaying uh, Kobe Bryant's final game on uh, ESPN right now. And, you know, I, I, I look back to that day, um, April 13th, 2016, and I actually never remembered. It was it was a few years ago now. Um, it was quite the night, if we if we remember correctly. If I re, if I remember, I, I think the Warriors were going for seventy three wins, weren't they? If I remember correctly, and I believe Stephen Curry was also trying to get the four hundred threes, which was crazy. And you know, Kobe uh, you did it in style as usual. Uh, Sixty point game. Uh, truly uh, an epic night uh, that was. But I, I, I often forgot, uh, Ian, what exactly was going on in the NBA. It was quite the night for NBA fans that, that year. Yeah, that game I still remember. Just a, you know, a few years ago in the 2016 season, the uh, after the season he retired, uh, and he was uh, it was just a spectacular way when you think about it to end just an absolutely brilliant uh, NBA career, one of the best of, uh, careers you'll ever see in the sport. Uh, and fitting way to go out, just lighting it up, and you could tell it was a celebration of the man's uh, career. Uh, every, all the big, uh, uh, you know, actors, movie stars, celebrities came out uh, to to watch that game that night uh, in L.A. Uh, and he put on a performance that was fitting of his the final game of an all-time legend. You know, you know to absolutely dominate to that extent, 60-point performance it was a fitting way uh, to end a great career. And I think I want there's one other thing that I want to talk about with Kobe uh, before uh, the night's out, and that's the the post-basketball playing career work for this guy, like the philanthropical work that this that Kobe Bryant was starting to do uh, in terms of basketball awareness, helping kids get education. You know, I think people are, maybe were sleeping on that as well. He is a guy that started after-school education funds and, and helping kids that you know to gain education that were from lower-income families. You know that maybe can't afford that are dealing with maybe some poverty a little bit. Help kids get a better education. To have basketball clinics, you know, with kids and help them learn the game. And he was, you know, very very hell bent, very very motivated and driven to say, you know what, Kobe Bryant left his legacy in basketball on the world. I need to make sure future generations and kids for many years and many decades to come also have that opportunity to leave their mark in basketball in this sport and gain a, and potentially gain a career uh, in basketball in some way and, and help you know make their own legacy and create their own story and narrative uh, for a long time to come. You know he was basically you know he talked about in the Academy Award winning short film you know, that he directed Dear Basketball. We talked about that film was basically essentially Kobe saying thank you to basketball and all the gifts that it gave him and what, you know, it meant to him in his life, which was obviously everything to him. And and I think part of him was really thinking to himself, you know, basketball gave back to me. I want to give back 
to the future generations and just the work that he has done the last couple of years following his retirement, you know, with kids, helping them, you know, educate them in basketball, help put them through school programs to get them further their education and further their life development in the formative years and the years that's so important as they grow older and they try to find, you know, work in the uh, job force. You know, it, it's, you know, his efforts were outstanding and I think they need to be talked about. We can talk, we've, and we've talked a lot about his playing career and we should, but we can't ignore and we can't not discuss the efforts and the work that Kobe Bryant was make, was doing following his playing career, which I think was going to be even more impactful potentially than anything he did on the court. And, and that's what makes this even harder because he was on his way to really doing truly great things for society and, and basketball globally after his playing career. And we're not going to get to see him complete his work because of the events of yesterday. Very sad. You're right about that, Ian. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, Caller, you're live. What's, what's going on tonight? You're live. Caller, you're live. Okay. Caller doesn't want to talk, Ian. Uh, but, yeah, you're so right. Uh, just uh, just a great guy on and off the court. You know, just seemed like he had really been coming into his own with uh, the, the his future and his life. And, uh, yeah, um, it, it's such a, a tough pill to swallow it's a tough uh time to be alive and you know to know that Kobe's not going to be around anymore and, and you're so right he was so young he was so young in his new life and uh you mentioned earlier his 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 daughter and her uh future i i've seen her play a little bit uh, on tv and stuff seemed like she had the mean kind of jab step just like uh, her dad and uh yeah it, it, it i don't know about you ian but you know i, I talked earlier about my and when I wake up on Mondays, it's always kind of malaysy. You know, you as human beings, Mondays are always kind of tough, even for whatever you do, you know, whether you get up and go to work or you work out or whatever you do. Um, but I, even yesterday, last night, I, I felt really kind of just kind of overall kind of kind of sad, you know, just uh, this one hit pretty hard, man. You know, uh, it, you, you would have to agree. This is probably the most uh, sad scene involving an athlete ever i mean this is pretty uh this is pretty sad man yeah it, 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 it i i i'd have to think about it a little but to me right off the top of my head i'd have to agree i mean uh, this is a this is an all-time legend in the in the sport that we've lost yesterday this would be equivalent to all of a sudden you know i don't know tom brady passes away all of a sudden tiger Woods, something were to happen to him roger federer something were to happen to him ronaldo in soccer, something would happen to him. Wayne Gretzky, you know, if, if any of those people passed away suddenly, that's the kind of scale and that's the kind of mountaintop we're talking about with Kobe Bryant as an athlete and as a professional uh, professional player in his particular sport. One of the absolute best of the best in not only basketball, but all of pro sports and the gravity and the impact and just the shock waves around the world for his passing or anyone on that level. And I mentioned a bunch of guys that are pretty close to that level. You know, it's going to be one of the more, you know, reverberating, stunning, you know, just stop you in your tracks type of moment. When you first hear something like that, Kobe Bryant's pastor. I didn't believe it when I first heard. I thought it was a hoax. I thought someone, someone on Twitter's uh, TMZ is, you know, screwed up and they have screwed up in the past. It has happened. Doesn't happen often, but it has happened. And I thought when the TMZ report first came out, this got to be wrong. This can't be happening. 
So, you know, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting on Twitter to comment before I get confirmation. And then I see that it actually has happened. And it's just, you know, it's a gut punch. It really, you felt it. And you, you realize this was this, uh, a major, major significant loss, not only in the sport, but to the world at large. Because again, with basketball now being the global sport that it has become, you know, the person in China, the person in, you know, even in the Middle East, in Europe, you know, in, in Australia, these are people that are going to also have these same kind of, oh my goodness, feelings when it comes to hearing about the passing of Kobe Bryant because of the global popularity that the sport of basketball has really become. Uh, so this is, in terms of, you know, where this is, sits in terms of just all around, you know, impact on the world at large, a passing of this magnitude with this kind of athlete, it, there's no question about it. It's up there, and certainly in my lifetime it is. Yeah, you're you're totally right on that. And uh, if you want to join the show, uh, you can give us a call, 515-605-9349. We'll get Ian Cameron's uh, favorite Kobe moment. I'll share mine as well. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Looks like our guy's back. Caller, you're live. Hello? You're live. What's up? Can you hear me? Hey. Yeah. I just want to give my favorite Kobe memory. Um, first off, I want to give my condolences to all the families involved. Very tragic. Um, I just want to say uh, it was 2008, and Kobe had lost to the Celtics. Um, he's on record saying this was his most devastating loss. Um, they had a couple injuries, buying them. I think Ariza went down for a couple games as well. Um, he came back to the finals the following year and won against Orlando. In 2010, he had his shot at redemption against the Celtics, and. That series obviously went to game seven. And he had a pretty tough, tough game there. He went six for 24. He didn't start heating up to the final quarter maybe. But his willingness to just do everything else to win the game, his like his relentlessness was just unmatched. And that's what, what, what gets lost in this. People didn't love him for how like great he he was because he was good, but how great he was when he was bad as well. His effort was just amazing. And that just is a testament to how he worked. So this is very touching, very personal, lifelong fan. Fan of you guys too. Um, yeah, that's my favorite Kobe memory. Yeah, it's great stuff, man. And thanks for, uh, well thanks said. for sharing. We appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the you know the, the and one thing about Kobe as well, Ian, that uh, a lot of people don't talk about is you know just his ability to just kind of rip your heart out, man. I mean he he was one of those guys, you know, that just he was he was just uh, you know just he went at you. It didn't care, you know. It was it was business all the time and he uh it, the only one i can remember that was like that was, was michael jordan he was uh he was a true amazing competitor and he really uh just went at you and went at you and went at you yeah i mean it's unbelievable his again the clutch shots huge shots impossible to make shots you know hand in the face falling away from the basket from three-point range sometimes from you know halfway to mid-court I, i've seen kobe bryant many a time make shots like that. And if you're an opposing team you know, or a fan of an opposing team, watching that moment, watching a Kobe Bryant clutch game winning shot in, at the buzzer from falling away from the basket, from well beyond the perimeter. And he had a bunch of these in his career. If 
you're a fan of the opposing team at the time, that's like an assassin piercing your heart with his bullet the moment that shot go, goes through the hoop. I mean, it's you, you feel it, the, you feel just the agony that, hey, this guy just, he's just, just, he's just beat us again, you know, and, and he's crushed my team's dreams yet again uh, in a big time game or a big time moment. Uh, and Kobe Bryant was absolutely the uh, king of doing that throughout his career. And I, I remember hearing uh, Hubie Brown. Oh, I'm a huge fan of Hubie Brown. He is one of the all-time great analysts, and he's still great. His 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 mind and his voice and his voice and is still sharp as attack. Even in his mid 80s now, he's in. He had a great quote talking about Kobe, saying Kobe Bryant never took a backseat to anybody in terms of work ethic. You could not outwork Kobe Bryant. And that is the absolute truth. This guy brought his hard hat. He brought his lunch pail. He brought his work boots to the court every night, and it showed in his play. Right about that. Couldn't have said it better. Ian, uh, really great stuff uh, talking about Kobe Bryant, and it was enjoyable. I, before we kind of um, kind of put a bow on the show and, and kind of wrap it up for the night, uh, what was your favorite Kobe memory, Ian? Do you have one quickly? Oh, there's so many. Uh, I don't know. I, mean, I, it, I would need some time to process a singular moment uh, that, that I can remember because there were a bunch. Uh, in terms of, I, I'm always gonna, I'm going to remember a, a a game, and it was Game Seven West Finals t- 2002. I mean, that was the year that people thought the Lakers were vulnerable. That was the year that people thought, you know, this may not be a three peat this year for the Lakers because Sacramento. In that series, 2002 West Finals, they finally had home court, which they didn't have in the previous times they lost to the Lakers in the playoffs the last few years. And Game 7 was at Arco, and this is their chance to get the Lakers. And the Lakers, I believe, were down 3-2 in that series and had to win two straight to win the series. Sure enough, they did. And Sacramento had a big lead in the second half of that seventh game at home, and you thought, "Uh uh-oh, this could be it for the Lakers. No three-peat for them. And who of all people was saying no? This is we're not going we're not going home just yet we're not done yet down I think by as many as double digits in the third quarter of that game of course Kobe Bryant you know he willed his team to win his performance in the second half in the fourth quarter of that game was unbelievable so for a moment that I that I remember fondly you know you could say the Lakers Celtics NBA Finals in 2010 was a classic series uh, the year they won the title uh, in that one against the uh, Celtics it was an outstanding series that year when the Bynum, Gasol, uh, and and Kobe. Kobe was the leader of the Lakers by then. Uh, he was the uh, – because kind of the first iteration of the Lakers, the three-peat Lakers in the early 2000s, he was kind of like a co-star, you know, sidekick almost, or him and Shaq, 1A, 1B, you know, leading that team. But it was all Kobe's team in the late 2000s. And that Lakers-Celtics series was memorable in 2010 for the finals against Garnett, Allen, Pierce, Doc Rivers coaching the Celtics. That's why Doc Rivers yesterday was so shaken up uh, by Kobe's passing, remembering, you know, I'm sure tons of great battles against him. Uh, But that 2002 West Final, L.A. Sacramento, that's a classic. That's one of the best playoff series of all time. I'm not kidding. That is one of the absolute best playoff series. Intensity, dislike, competitiveness, grit, heart nastiness that was a nasty as all get out series as well there was not a whole lot of love with the kings and the lakers that year 2002 west finals lakers prevail in seven kobe bryant's efforts the forefront reason why unbelievable stuff one of probably my favorite kobe memory that whole series his performance was outstanding great series and of course kobe played great basketball in it 
Good stuff. Yeah, I, for me, it was definitely, uh, you know, it was obviously a bad time in Kobe's career, but I thought it was just a warrior mentality when he went and, you know, uh, knocked down those free throws even after tearing his ACL. It was quite warrior-like. Also, his return to Philadelphia on his last game, uh, it was really just kind of a uh, a shaking of the hand after a long battle after back and forth. Uh he was just our guy, and uh, I think for most of the career, we just uh, wished he was with us and not with them. But, uh, yeah, Kobe, a, a terrific competitor. We say rest in peace to him, his daughter, the other seven people that lost their lives as well. Um, Ian, um, before we let you go, um, I did want to comment quickly on uh, some of the games tonight. Um, you know, Ian, I um, – I bet one game tonight, and uh, I loved the game. I was all over it. I had uh, bet it early today. I got five and a half. And, you know, I got to tell you, this Wisconsin game tonight is one of the worst beats I've had in some time. Um, You know, you you hate when these things happen because – there's really little. Oh no! Do don't about tell it. me Wisconsin. Uh, don't tell me Wisconsin. I haven't even checked the score. Don't tell me Wisconsin blew this. Blew this thing. Yep, up twelve with seven to go and lose. They lose by six. There was an absolutely horrific call on Brad Davidson. A, a technical, actually a flagrant foul with thirty seconds to go. Absolutely wow. hideous call. Uh, just a disgusting performance over the last seven minutes. Five points for Wisconsin over the last. 23 to 5 run. Are, are you fucking kidding me? Are you serious with this? Just awful. Just horrible, awful stuff. I I am blown away at the ineptness of this clown group. Um just just sickening. A sickening loss. That's awful. I had Wisconsin I I gave out Wisconsin in my uh, show today for the Ian Cameron Sports Report and uh, it was my best bet on the show. Plus, unfortunately, I had plus five. There was no six at the time. I know there was six uh, a couple hours later. That would have been nice to have. I was, I had the five and a half as well, and uh, that's very upsetting to know that. Uh, what can you say? I still don't trust this Iowa team. You know, this this won't be the last time I bet against Iowa, even though they, they luckily escaped tonight. And I did go against them with Rutgers uh, last week, uh, getting points against uh, Iowa at home. Uh, I'm still not believing in Iowa. I'm not. You know, I know they've been amazing without Bohan and uh, what they've done. Frederick stepped up uh, big time. Garza, we know how good he is. I still don't trust them defensively. And obviously, Wisconsin, unfortunately, they can go cold offensively. They certainly did uh, in the second half. But that's absolutely awful. The, the only I saving mean, grace for me is at least I had North Carolina tonight, so we get a split. Uh, I had them plus five and a half against NC State. They went out right. Maybe a little buy sign on North Carolina. Keep an eye on them. I know they haven't beaten world beaters. Miami on Saturday, mid-range ACC team. Same with NC State tonight. And they battled Virginia Tech to overtime. But signs of life from North Carolina. Starting to play a I, little I mean, bit. You know, a couple guys stepping up for them. So just keep your eye on the Tar Heels. I know they've been brutal. It's been a dismal season by their standards. But they're starting to put it together, and they've been totally devalued spread-wise because of the struggles. So that's why I think there's value in the number maybe right now in North Carolina. We'll have to see if they can step up in class well, though, as the schedule gets tougher. I mean, Ian, this this is just some awful stuff. I mean, so, so let me just break down how this all went, okay? It was a 66-62 game with two seconds to go. Wisconsin calls a timeout, likely – for guard to basically say, okay, there's two seconds left. Let's just let them inbound, and, and that's that. Um, they're, uh, they're not going to foul there. 
Luca Garza gets a technical foul. I, I don't know what the hell the technical was about. Demetrius Trice, who, um, I, I mean, this is just horrific stuff. I mean, Demetrius Trice, who is a 81% foul shooter, makes the first, misses the second. Trevor Anderson, for whatever reason, down four, fouls with two seconds to go, and they win with two foul shots. I mean, I have to know what this technical was all. What did he get a technical for? Because you know that was, the game was over at that point. They're going to inbound and the game's over. I mean, it is just a pathetic. I mean, it is horrific. I mean, 57-45 with seven to go, getting five and a half, and you don't cover. What kind of That's shit awful. is this? That's awful. Wow. See, I was so in, in, in wrapped up in our Kobe talk. I, I like I didn't I didn't even check that game. I, what did I have on here? I had the Kansas game on for some reason. That's all one sided. I don't know why I didn't have the Iowa game on. But that's yeah. Uh, me feeling a little bit sick to my stomach yesterday. I'm feeling that way right now for a completely different and obviously less important reason. But still, nevertheless, that's absolutely brutal. Anyone with Wisconsin plus the points that up twelve, with, and, and as is- you mentioned it. Seven minutes and to Ian, go. It's unbelievable. Ian, this is where, and I, I've talked about it before. This is where, whether you have a handicapper, you bet games on your own. This is where, like, just a random shit. Just like, this is no other person on earth deals with this in their career. Just this ridiculous shit, like with calling flagrant fouls with thirty seconds to go. Just, I mean, just it's it's really brutal like it, it makes you like hate doing this like i i mean that like i'm I'm being like really graphic and i i hate to be negative and lame but like it really makes you want to fucking throw up like it's sickening like like you, you know what's this you is do... sickening t- i was just going to say what's it, it it's absolutely brutal I and mean, yeah it, you're uh, there's just those stretches where how could it you think about it how can the game turn i don't know a 12 point lead with seven minutes to go, think about it, seven minutes to go, 12-point lead with plus five and a half in your hand, and you can't get the win. You can't get the win. That's unreal. Wouldn't That's like a 17-point, 18-point turnaround to, to basically crush you. 18-point turnaround in seven minutes. That's that's unbelievable. That's awful. I, I, watched this, I watched this entire game Okay, up until about the nine-minute mark. I had to start the show. I stopped watching it. And it just went to shit. I am superstitious, man. I feel like certain things, like if I watch a game and just stop, like it was just, it was, it was probably the reason. Like it's just really brutal. And you know what makes it more sickening is like I like Bethune Cookman and I minus one, and they of course cover. I'm just, it's just brutal, man. Like it's, it's, it's old. It gets really old. You know, it's absolutely brutal. And like I say, what's going? The only thing you can take solace in is you had the right side. All right, I don't, I don't. I don't want to hear this nonsense that Iowa was the right side. That was not the case. Okay, Wisconsin was the side that should have cashed in that game. You know, they were controlling the game for the majority. Uh, Iowa was what not outside the number, I think, till right at the very end of the game. You know, Wisconsin was no. always within you know five points or less for the entire basketball game. The one that I'm kind of upset I didn't bet because I don't bet a t- as much of the SWAC and the MEAC and the smaller conferences as you, but this one stood out and I left it alone for some reason. Why didn't I bet this Miss Valley State Prairie View A&M over? I've, I mean, no <laughs> 102 I'm seeing the game just ended. 185 points for some reason the totals in the 150s. Mississippi Valley State's only one of the worst god-awful defensive teams in the entire country and one of the fastest tempo teams uh, in the country. Uh, and somehow I didn't, I, I didn't bet that, so... I'm disappointed there. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you one other thing before we go. Um, 
I, I, I got to be honest. You know what I'm really sick of, to be real honest with you? I'm sick of these fucking teams. Every team I bet, not one shoots over 40%. I'm so fucking sick of it. I got to tell you, and I think a lot of it has to do with just some of the teams I'm backing. I'm betting these fucking clown show teams that can't score. I mean, it's, you know, it's, you look at tonight. I was shoots, Ian, listen to this. Iowa University shot three for 20 from three. By the way, they shot 32 free throws compared to 11 for the other side. You've got to be fucking kidding me. You've got to be kidding me with this. This is horrific shit. They shot 37%. Plus 21 at the free throw line. How is that fucking fair? I mean, seriously, it's laughable, man. It's fucking laughable. I'm just, I'm sick of it, man. I'm sick of every team I bet shoots fuck, can't shoot their way out of a fucking paper bag. The other night, Florida. I mean, that was fucking laughable as well. Florida basketball. They can't make fucking broadside of a barn. I mean, what the hell, man? Like, it's it gets old. But I'm not Let me put it here this way. I, I will not be laying four and a half points with Florida tomorrow night when they host Mississippi State. That will not be happening. Uh, very, very interesting to see how they bounce back. Mike White basically sure called them though. soft, immature. That's what he called them. He, he lit into them after that Baylor game. Soft, immature. How do the players handle those comments? We'll find out tomorrow night. I'm sure they'll roll. I mean, it, it's, you know, I, I got to be happy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm having a, you know, NFL's helped, but I'm having a winning season at my site I, since I started. But it, it's, it, it gets old, man. You know, it, it gets old, you know, putting the time in that, that you and I do and everybody does. And you just, at the end of the day, like, it sucks because, like, you're literally dealing with, like, kids. And, you know, I got to say, I mean, maybe I'm not as interested in this game if I find out that Kobe King's out, the second leading scorer. But at that point, you know how picks things work, Ian. It's hard to, you know, get in touch with people and tell them to get out of the game. And I'm not going to pull it over one player, but – you know, or maybe I get a better I get a better number. I get six and a half or seven, and it ended up working. And in but, basketball, a lot of teams step up first game without a key player. We see it all the time. Sure. Yeah, but it's it's gutless. This is gutless Wisconsin. This is what they do. Uh, Greg Gard's a shithead. I mean, it's pretty clear. But uh, Ian, uh, great stuff, man. Uh, always good to talk to you. I'm glad you were able to come on and relive some of your favorite Kobe memories. Uh, follow Ian on Twitter at Babano. He's always got a lot of great stuff going on. Uh, make sure you check him out there. Uh, he also has uh, picks, babano350 at gmail.com if you're interested on them. He also is on Patreon with the Ice Guys, and he has his own YouTube show. Make sure you check that out on Twitter every day. Uh, Ian, uh, great stuff, man. Thanks for coming on. Great stuff as always, Jeff, and I'll leave a, a play for the Tuesday night college basketball slate uh, for our listeners on the way out. A little team close by your neck of the woods, Jeff. They've been patting my wallet for weeks now. They're one of the hottest ATS teams in the country. Steve Peichel has done an amazing job. Uh, they've been so good to me for weeks now, and I'm hoping they're good to me one more time tomorrow night. I think I'm going to lay the three with them against Purdue. Uh, Purdue, to me, is very erratic. I don't trust them on the road. This is a huge spot for Rutgers to show that uh, they're ready for a big-time opponent coming in like this, and I just like the toughness and the way this team can lock it down defensively, they've found their way to do pretty well in these tight games. They've been in a bunch of them. I think they can get Purdue. Purdue's been a little bit up and down for me. Rutgers has been a moneymaker for me. So I'm looking at Rutgers tomorrow night. Have a good night, Jeff. 
Yeah, I think you're on to something there. Uh, Geo Baker back. Uh, good stuff, Ian. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Um, yeah, yeah, Geo Baker back for Rutgers. Uh, Purdue is obviously, uh, as Ian said, uh, struggled on the road this year. You look at uh, on the season, you know, they've kind of been a rock at home. But, you know, away from home, Purdue University 1-5 this year against the spread. Uh, they're 0-4 as a road underdog or pick. Uh, so yeah, they've uh, they've had their fair share of concerns, and as Ian said, could be a really good spot to back Rutgers, a team that uh, is really kind of transcendent under Steve Peichel. Uh, they've been uh, very good at home defensively, giving up just 56 points a game. Uh, they've done a great job offensively as well, scoring over 73. So they've been a really good team at home, and Purdue just continues to struggle, uh, just 58 points a game this year on the road. They've, they've really had issues away from Mackey. Uh, that's it for me. Uh, as always, I uh, hope you all have a great night. Uh, make sure you uh, hug your kids tight tonight, as they say. Uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, rest in peace to him and the other seven people that died, including his daughter as well, uh, who we pray for as uh, we head into a Tuesday. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll be back same time, same place tomorrow. Um, we'll be uh, live with Mike Randall from the Action Network and the Screen, the Screener podcast. Uh, have a great night. We will see you uh, on Tuesday evening. Bye-bye.